Here we are. Welcome everybody to the third episode. Wait, let me restart that one second. Okay, welcome everybody to the third episode of the Inzer Sage. I'm Mike. Uh, this is for the week of April 10th. And basic tabletop news I got from Ian World. Uh, thank you to uh, Daryl Mott Abstruse on that page. He posts a weekly news blog every week, and I've been taking snippets from that and utilizing that. Are you kidding me? No? It's all going in. Okay. It's all going in. All right. Sorry, I had a little technical difficulty. But anyway, the first snippet of news is Origins Game Fair, originally scheduled for June 17th to 21st, has been rescheduled for October 7th through 11th. In addition, they have an online convention which will be hosted by Origins. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention, there's a number of online conventions that have popped up. Uh, I know they did GaryCon as an online convention, and... You know, I think that's pretty cool that they, they're keeping it going, you know. Um, another bit of news is Wizards of the Coast started recording or releasing free D&D products online this week. Uh, the D&D Adventures League Player's Handbook and DM's Guide, a number of adventures, uh, and three coloring activity books. Um, the next piece was Pazio reopened the Pazio warehouse, so you can directly order stuff from them. Uh, and now into the Neverwinter news. First, I have a correction from last week. The novels I mentioned written by Stephen Weber are available online for free. There's a link below here, and I'll post one on the podcast. Uh, on e I'll post it like in the podcast info. Um, Always Autumn Server has just relaunched their CP2, Epic Weapons, No Item Level Restrictions, 300 Plus Areas, and DM Events. Um, they're looking for players. And, like, Nari, I gotta look and see how this is spelled because I think I wrote this down wrong. Here we go. It is Ling Lingnarium Isle. It is a uh, light roleplay server action. They schedule RP events every Friday and Saturday. Anybody can RP whenever they want. Other times, uh, if you want to get a hold of, he's on uh, the Number One Nights community page. His name is James Robo Robertson. He can probably. Uh, connect you to that or give you any more information. Um, and then this week's uh, bit of role playing advice is going to be how to be, or, I shouldn't say how to be, I should say what makes a good DM on Neverwinter and what makes a bad DM on Neverwinter. Now, Neverwinter is slightly different than tabletop because to start with, you're kind of limited in what you put out there, um, or what type of monsters you can use, or, you know, whereas tabletop, you have a much wider selection, um, with, 
the different monsters or whatnot. So there's a little more planning, I think, involved with Neverwinter. Um, needless to say, I'm waiting for this stupid document to load up so that I can read this off. I found one uh, snippet on the Neverwinter Night Vault. Um, Neverwinter Night's Vault, I should say. Oh, you're kidding me. It's not working. Oh, now it wants to work. Great. Never mind. I have to reload that. But needless to say, I found a piece of... Uh, it was like server advice, DM advice. So, on there... It had 160... Uh, I think 7 tips, and a lot of them aren't necessarily meant for DMs, or more meant for like the admin of a server. So I'm going to read them off and basically uh, go through and mention those stupid notification. Here we go. These are DM tips. Uh, this is what I got for Neverwinter. Here you'll find a series of tips for Dungeon Masters created by Razorwise and compiled from his original thread on the official forums, which was the uh, old Bioware forums, I believe. You can also post your DM questions here. Uh, yeah, I found this on the Neverwinter vault under DM tips. It was the first one that came up. And the first one's add a little Add a little at a time to give your players and yourself a chance to learn. Nice. My only thing I can add to that is there's nothing wrong with keeping an adventure to your comfortable pace. Don't rush yourself just because the players want to rush. Make them move at your pace, whatever you're comfortable with. Don't, you know, rushing an adventure can kind of ruin it. Number two, nothing wrong with spawning creatures away from characters. I would say only spawn creatures near players if it is a surprise encounter. Um, you know, normally you want your players and the creatures to have an opportunity to prepare for the battle. So you want to spawn them a little bit farther away. But if you don't want your players to have that opportunity, you know, you could always pop them up on them. But don't do it every time. You know, that, that would get kind of old. Uh, three is learn to move the creatures about. You can group select them by using control and right-clicking to drag a yellow box around the monster. And then holding the shift key down to get them where you want to without possessing them. Number four is learn how to possess things. This is the most useful and frequently done thing as you'll be able to converse with players on the fly for a more dynamic interaction. Number five is create a few custom items and creatures that you can drop in. The only thing I could add to this is be aware of the level of characters when doing this and you might want to also make sure it's okay with the admin or whoever built the server or whoever's running it in charge you don't want to go popping in items that they don't approve or making creatures they don't approve uh, number six is creative custom random encounters that works if you're the module designer on the host. Otherwise, like I said, get their permission to do to add anything. Um, 
we had someone on our original server uh, build a quest. And when they added that quest and they added a bunch of other stuff to a whole different area that wasn't related to that quest, and it lagged down the server drastically. Um, so you, you want to make sure you're, you know, it's okay to do that. Um, take care to properly place spawn points to avoid them just appearing. Uh, this is something that's like a, uh, an admin type thing. Have pause off for the players and on for you. Don't afra be afraid to use pause to get control of a situation. Just be aware that only use pause if the host allows it. Pause affects the entire server. So if you're running a quest and there's other people on the server doing adventures and you get paused, they're paused. They, don't, they can't do anything. Uh, number nine is use the DM helper. There's a number of DM tools in the game that'll help that are very useful and they can save you a lot of time from doing different uh, things like placing monsters down, different effects. Uh, number 10 is set up guidelines and rules of conduct pre-game. Um, if you're on a server, that should be established well in advance. Um, if you want to make any special rules for just your event or your quest or your, you know, whatnot, then you might want to talk to the DM or the admin, make sure everything's cool. Uh, number 11 is have a pre-game and post-game discussion in whatever chat tool of your choice. Um, it's very effective to discuss issues and set the mood. You might want to also utilize a forum. Those can tend to be useful. Uh, try to confine all tech talk until post-game. That's a pretty good idea, you know. You don't want to get bogged down in the middle of a venture by someone trying to tell you how you're lagging something, you know. Uh, set the XP slider to zero in modules and assign XP yourself as they'll otherwise advance beyond your control. And that was number 13. This may not always be an option. Be aware of the server areas that have encounters already. Um, you might want to even build areas that don't have encounters that people can just go into. You know what I mean? Like you might Build areas for your quest, or build areas for your DM event. Uh, 13. 14 is put in lots of fog and dark areas for the first adventure to slow them down and give you a chance to get a handle on things. It's a good idea. Uh, 15 and 16 are more, well actually 15 through 18 are more for like a server admin. I'm not going to even bring those up. Uh, 19 is know your adventure well. And that's pretty important. You need to make sure you understand where you put everything, you know, how you want the flow to go. It's just like buying a module and wanting to run the module. You want to read it first and, and be rarely pretty much familiar with it. Uh, number 20 is have fun. But you want to make sure everybody has fun. Don't have fun at the player's expense. You know, that's not something that any player really wants that nobody wants as a player to go on a DM event and the DM to just screw over the entire party because they think it's a blast. You know, no one's having fun that. Number 21 is scour message boards and create a text file you can copy and paste good ideas into. That's actually a pretty good idea. 
Number 22 is never expect to remember everything. A good DM takes notes of all player actions and interactions in the module for future game. And that's a pretty good idea. Uh, try to keep your areas to 16 by 16 to reduce lag or less. Um, scripts your friend. Learn to develop generic descriptors so you don't have to type in the errors, chill as you enter the forest for each character, or realistically shout it to the whole group. Be sure to have a variety of challenges for all player character types. Number 27. Increase the difficulty of the challenges by including some that are in the gray areas of morality and have no clear-cut right or wrong answers. The only thing I can add to this is make sure that all players are comfortable with whatever the gray area is involving. Um, you don't want to throw in a DM event that involves sexual assault and, you know, upset a group of players. You know, I had one years ago when our server was running, I did an event where the the DM event was for a group of players to protect a group of children. They, they had to keep these kids from getting killed by monsters. And just due to the situation, a couple of the kids, you know, got away from where I had placed them and went and attacked the monsters and got killed. And I had a player or two get pretty upset about that, that, that I allowed children to be killed. And it wasn't so much that I allowed them to be killed, it was just a circumstance that I had no control over. Now, looking back at it, I should have, you know, talked to everybody first and said, hey, is that, does anybody have a problem with this? Because this is what this is going to involve. So, uh, number 28 is... Make certain players and characters aware of the consequences of their actions and award alignment shifts is warranted. Which is, you know, I honestly think there should be consequences to actions, you know. And if a player can't accept them, then their actions shouldn't have counted towards anything, you know. Make sure the world about them isn't static, whether it be to modify the areas with something as little as a few chickens to a merchant complete with a cart. You know, it's always good to add a little more flavor to your game. You know, little things players can interact with just to, you know, give them a little bit of a, their own little, you know, it makes you feel more immersed in the world. Uh, create recurring characters with memorable names so that their players can begin to identify with their world, which is a good idea. Uh, also write those names down so that, you don't forget them as a, as a DM. As the NWN module building takes a deal of work, don't be afraid to ask the players which direction they'd like to go next time if you don't get adequate feedback any other way. You know, communication is key with your group. Uh, design early adventures in a linear manner, especially if the party isn't experienced, as this will give them an opportunity to learn their strengths, abilities, and limitations. Give each player the type of opportunity to shine. Have players create background stories for their characters and meet with them or discuss modifications to make it fit into your world. This one is usually a Trevor Trey of adventurous ideas and gives you insight into what the character's motivations are. Uh, this is for if you're building a group. Uh, like This advice also falls for those who want to just run like their own little group every week in Neverwinter. Uh, I've known a few people that have done that. Build onto your base module. That way you don't have to keep recreating code. Uh, create each new adventure in its own file and then import all ERFs into the base adventure. 
And then something important at 39, walk through any adventure that you want to familiarize yourself with it. And use a character. DMs don't trigger traps or encounters. That's something you definitely want to do. Um, number 40 is verify all your custom stuff got imported into your new module. Make notes or organize your custom monsters equipment so you can find them easily in an adventure. Like custom 1 allies, custom 2 enemies, and you know, so on and so forth. Create a dust custom DM character for yourself and give it a regular sounding name. So if you need to pop in and out to point someone in the right direction, you can do without disrupting the game flow. Make certain to discuss upgrades with your group. Set, a time, set aside time to playtest with a control group. Constantly remind players of the rules, which you shouldn't have to once you've established a set of rules. They should pretty much understand them and know them. You just want to make sure that everybody understands and knows them. Use the tell to let individual characters know something no one else knows. And we'll mention something about this a bit later. I had a few, three people bring up some pretty valid points that uh, one of them actually mentioned something regarding this. Uh, give them a few safe spots to discuss things and gather thoughts together as the adventure progresses. Also, places where they can rest, because... If you're throwing people through a bunch of different combat encounters and your mages or your clerics or your sorcerers or your bards or any other casters need to rest to regain spells, that's something you might want to do is put a rest area or two in. Um, set up a small entry area in the module that will link into the left-off spot. Helps with dropouts. That's a good idea if you're running a weekly group. Um, it doesn't really work that well if you're running a server. Uh, let players know you will reward experience points on individual merit. Let players know that dying costs experience. And also let them know if it costs gold. Have players test out Tales to DM if it's been a while since your group has played or new players. Uh, number 53 is never let them rest too long. Number 54, don't abuse the monsters just inside of the transition point into a new area. Which that essentially means if you set up a... a encounter spawn trigger don't put the spawn point right where people would be walking into to go to the next area that can cause issues um slow down the speed of some more dangerous monsters to provide the group with a little time to strategize never let them develop a brute force beats all strategy um, 57. If you've never played Dungeons and Dragons, get the Dungeon Master's Guide and read it. I highly recommend that, just because it literally gives you a ton of tips, and it, it essentially teaches you how to be a Dungeon Master, and that's something important. Granted, Neverwinter and Dungeon you know, D and D are slightly different in format, um, and you're somewhat limited with Neverwinter, but you still want to have some of the basic concepts down. Um, 58 is read fantasy books for ideas and inspiration. 59, have multiple solutions, multiple solutions for some problems. 60 is be open to new ideas, including scripts, play style, and tips. 61, play once in a while. You know, that's something that we'll talk about here in a little while as well. Someone else brought that up. House rules, put them in a journal entry upon entry to the module. Uh... 63, don't ever be afraid to clarify points of house rules to your players. 
64 for technically less-minded DMs. Uh, actually, that, that suggests one system over another. Uh, hardcore rules uh, with TTV, which I'm not sure which is. Um, I'm not a real big fan of hardcore rules, but if you know you are, check out different systems. See what you like. I personally like uh, Allender's Realistic Systems. That's probably one of the better ones out there. 65, be open to change. 66, naming conventions for building. Have them and use them. It can speed up all your processes. What they mean by that is, for every area you build, you want to have a resref that matches all your other stuff. So if you're, you know, for example, your first area, you could put a you know, underscore, and then the name of your area, and that just lets you know that that's an area. You know, you don't have to worry about that. For a creature, you can put C, underscore, and then the name of the creature, and so on and so forth. Just, it allows you to organize your stuff better, and allows you to know, so you're not going through things at a later time going, where is this, you know? Give important NPCs names that don't all sound alike or look alike. Usually starting them out with different letters is a good thing. Tolkien violates this with Sauron and Saruman, much to many readers' confusion. <clears throat> don't be boxed in. Remember the creative use of area sizing gives you a nice rectangular shape. You know, don't always make everything a box. You can make either long rectangles or tall rectangles, you know. Manipulate tile sets for your ends. Adjusting colors and fogs can give you some places that look much different from their intended purpose. Hiding the map. Sometimes you don't want players to see the whole area. We can't turn off the mapping feature, but if you take the underground area and go in advanced features, you can make it exterior natural area, and it will not display the entire map. It will reveal little at a time. Uh, 71 has helped the players out sometimes, dropping in cache healing potions or healing them directly. If they have finite hit, hit points, you have infinite monsters. This can keep the story going. What's more important for you, your story or whacking the entire party? You know, if you want a TPK, you know, hey, you're not going to have many happy players, I can tell you that. Set the mood early on. Whether it's whimsy or grim, should be set early and maintained throughout. 73. Humor is a necessary part of the drama. If you have a serious adventure or campaign, intersperse moments where there's an opportunity to recoup and laugh and recharge. 74. Give them a reason. Personally involving one or all the characters in an adventure thread or quest will make the experience more immersive for them all. Goblins taking over the mines? What if it's Gloombeard's dwarven cousin who ran it and sent a messenger for him to help? You know, try to find ways, little adventure hooks, to drag your characters into these events. Take a break from the game yourself. Building in the boards, even if a day, it'll help recharge your batteries. But I know I personally, I take one day a week where I just don't touch Neverwinter at all. And that seems to work pretty well for me. Build non-stop what you feel, even if you can't use it immediately. Something might present itself. For example, you know, I have a few journal entries completed, but nothing to present to players with quests directly. DM skills plus my handy one make it seem like I meant to do that all along. Take advantage of the medium. Um, 77. Proper use of sound can really set the mood. The return on your nominal time investment is great. 78. Early on, I mentioned giving hints to your players. Those do not necessarily have to be a tell to one character or a shout to the group. You can use visual clues, such as subtly modifying a tell 
specific tiles properties to glow slightly indicating importance or have a generic trigger set up a cause of video or audio effects if you want to put scripting aside you can grab some of the existing widgets out there to emulate some of the same effects or use the creator to do it on the fly pretty senior players will be custom to the visual shorthand you provide them remind players that not all the experience is not necessarily gained by their character you know as a player going through all these different events you do learn stuff you know, another one. Thank you for thank the players for playing every session. That's pretty important. You know, you want to be two. Do not get into an adversarial role with the players. Make certain they understand that the dragon may be amused that they are dropping like flies around him from the goblin's poison gas, but the DM is not. Um, if you run an open game. If so, and you don't want power gamers or find someone particularly disruptive, don't be afraid to boot and ban. Your time is too valuable and good DMs are in demand. I'd suggest the following. Be selective and proactive. I think I would pause the game, dress down the player directly as DM to player, and give him one opportunity to mend for his discretion. Do this as a tell. It can work. If he continues to be difficult, boot him. Um, if you... The better solution would be to place your game firmly in the role-playing category... Um, if you use the, uh, I don't remember what they use for the enhanced edition. It used to be GameSpot, but it's, um, you can also password protect your server if you don't opt for a server vault of your own. Um, DMM Persistent World presents particular issues of its own, which, um, yeah, DMing a Persistent World is slightly different than just running a game for people every week. Uh, penalize power gamers or village killers with XP lost. I mean, if you're into power gaming, don't penalize people. But if someone goes around killing your entire village, you can set stuff so that when they kill in other individuals, they can be set hostile to other things. So if they go around killing an entire village, you can set it up so that the next village they go to, nobody's nice to them. No one wants to talk to them. Um, have a web presence you know you want to put yourself out there you know keep active uh, have gaps fill in the tissue in the forms of story threads or rumors that precipitate the next adventure make a blueprint of plot critical characters so they can be spawned from the palette as needed focus on adventure essentials just because you think something is cool doesn't mean the players will go with what will move the story along when building, remember, players have different screen resolutions. Some things that will show at 16 by 1200 may be lost in the digital dirt at a lower resolution. Remember, NPCs can be resurrected too. Especially important ones are ones with loyal minions. Making the move to a server vault, want your players with their... Uh, if you're moving to a server vault and you want your players to play the same characters, have them email their characters to you, and you can put them in the vault form. They have to log into any module you set up as a server vault to create a username player account directory for them. Once they email the character to you, how do you import and bind to the player name? Um, you should all know how to do this already. Uh, most effective way to grow a campaign in a semi-persistent environment is to open the base module, make modifications to reflect what transpired in the campaign, and add new areas of characters and save. Um, it's important to use free save game frequently in your session. 
If you don't have a dedicated server to avoid loss of play data for players with unstable connections, um, you can set an auto save for every so many minutes and it'll just automatically save everybody. Um, preparation is key. Have a stable of monsters, custom characters, and items not used in your main storyline. Maybe an idea or two that you can go with. Um, old beggar mumbling about lost treasure, etc. You know, a hundred is have areas designed that are not connected to the rest of the world. As an active DM, you can get them there with a quick pause, description, and a port to the new location. That, I think, is a great idea if you're on a persistent world and you want to do a separate uh, DM event, you don't want it to involve any of the other areas, that's a great idea. Chronicle your player's Sega in the module. Have books or custom items highlighting their major events. That's a pretty good idea, too. Another thing, you could also post something on your forum. Um, you could use it, as it just said, in 102 is you prefer the bulletin board system. There's a bulletin board system you can put into Neverwinter that players can write stuff and then put it on the bulletin board. Um, have NPCs knowledge of character for their behavior by name. Characters love that. Take control of your economy. The Bioware standard treasure scripts will ensure overpowered players. Um, you might want to make sure you understand how your treasure drops and how the loot system works. That way you're not giving players more powerful stuff than you want them to have. Take control of the XP flow. This can be done in a number of any ways by tweaking the minimum time between rests, by using hardcore rules, by limiting very carefully the number of monsters that spawned. Keep areas balanced for a tight level range. There's nothing worse than newbies getting run over by cursed monks because a high-level party ran through a newbie area and triggered the encounters. All monsters in areas should be within two challenge ratings of each other, excepting bosses. Um, your, your persistent world should make sense. If there's a bunch of bugbears outside of town, why are they there? The town folks should be talking about them. Um, if you wish to tightly hone in what spawns from a placed encounter... Customize what will be there, including creature, range, and type. <clears throat> Place a DM wand, an effects wand, an emote wand in every NPC's inventory. Put a torch and non-droppable money in there as well. I can't tell you how many times I've needed an NPC in passing conversations with the players in a bar. Want a drink or sit down in a chair with them. Or when we met outside in the dark, feel stupid in the pitch black without a torch. <clears throat> Just remember, because you know how a cool DM trick doesn't mean the rest of the community does... If you've not read it on the boards, share it, you know. You need to make a good NPC arser, take a creature of choice, put their sword in their inventory and their bow in their hand, and equip them with bolts or arrows, and make them hold their ground. Change their movement rate to a mobile and give them a long perception raise, and they'll be peppering your players in no time. For party management, you can create a simple spreadsheet with character name, player name, race, alignment, XP. Remember, characters are more than numbers. You also might want to use a flowchart program to diagram your adventures, or a napkin if you're out of out on the town. You want to have a flowchart handy if you need to throw something to players on the fly, and you want to look prepped. To slant your game towards role playing, award more for role playing. Positive, positive reinforcement is the key. The hackers and slackers should soon fall into place. Lower the maximum character level allowed to what is appropriate for your game. Economic factors are a very important consideration in play balance. If you give your characters treasure, how much do they exchange it for consumables? How much treasure? You know, you want to make sure that they're putting money back into the economy. You know, 
have points of purchase merchants scattered throughout your adventure, whether it be a roadside peddler or a proper storefront. Um, healing potions are especially impact on play balance. This access to those should be carefully thought out. Developing custom shops for item types reduce the monotony of stripping down shops to make them potion only. Use your custom shops and modify costs to reflect the economy of the area. Uh, remember, you can set up multiple shops with the same merchant using conversation branches. You can have the merchant produce expensive potions or cheap armor, or even expensive healing and cheap bark skin. Consider a cultural bias and have merchants reflect the same by a race check to open a race-dependent shop. A dwarf might certainly try to overcharge an elf, right? If you don't have place treasure and have a regular group that pools resources, you can give gold to the party leader and send a group message after slaughtering the hill giants, you find 2,000 gold coins scattered about the cave. You know, uh, 125 is give them a chance if you're running a PvP world and require people to start server vault, have at least a staging area that is non-PvP to give them an opportunity to set up their character without fear of instant death unless you want an empty server. Complete your world. Don't be in a rush to put something out for public consumption without warning people it's a work in progress. Remember, quality over quantity. Players prefer a world that is rich in detail rather than acreage. Keep coming back, adding new areas, quests, NPCs, something a bit different from the typical experience will drive them to return to your world again and again. Use a d20. Sure, the wand may have a built-in, and you can use a dice bag, but what's wrong with the real dice? I've done that before. Be subjective. Part of your job is, as a DM is to interpret the rules. With a simulation like this, it can be more difficult, so don't be afraid to cut players a break once in a while. Simplicity is the key to survival. Don't over-script. Be flexible. Respond to the situation as the players make it. Don't force them down a path. Unless you absolutely need them to go down that path, you know. Never be afraid to end the game early. If they've reached the end of your built areas or reached the end of your rope for a session, take a time out. Sometimes you run over, sometimes you run short. Jumping one character to a point, uh, that every DM should know how to do that. You should also make a map for a uh, persistent world. You should do screenshots of each area in the tool set, cut and paste in a graphic program of choice. Then you can stitch them all together, tweak out into sepatones or as you desire, and you'll have a nicely scaled map. In order for players to see a DM text in a chat log while the DMs are talking, you must include include DM act or include DM message to activate this. Um, like I said, this has a lot of different advice for server admins in it. Uh, safe crash for we. A safe crash-free way to jump to a new area is to select an NPC in that area and use possession full powers. When running a server vault, hitting G on your keyboard will export save all characters. When possessing sitting NPCs, be sure to stand up before unpossessing them to avoid communication problems with the NPCs. Um, a lot of these are... Like I said, DM or server. The default difficulty of module is overridden by the DM client difficulty slider. When you possess an NPC and talk to players, the word appears as a floating text above the NPC's head. When multi-DMs run a module, the last DM difficulty setting overrules all. Whatever rule variations you decide to use, please don't lose the sight of the fact this is a game and should be fun. Please run the script in mind. No matter how realistic or fantastical you have in your gameplay, 
of your your role and make sure that you know you make it so that the difficulty is not set way too high for your party. Um, when you're doing walkthroughs for your module, give your DM an item with haste. Makes it go faster. Um, whenever you create new items or creatures in the tool set, give that item a new tag and add it to your palette. Um, if you do create an item or you change an item, remember to update all instances or it won't. Uh, that's why it won't change. Henchmen and possessed creatures will set off traps. Uh, create external documentation for your module. Create internal documentation for in your module. Create guidebooks for your NPCs and slap them in your library as well as on the NPC in question. Um, you might want to put, there's a guidebook you could write. Um, you can put personality notes into a guidebook of NPCs, you know, that will give you different, you know, like this, this PC or this NPC is cranky all the time. That way the next DM that might play that NPC knows, hey, this guy's cranky all the time, you know, because um, I've had different people utilize other NPCs that, you know, I created and it just didn't work out. And needless to say, that is all of those. Now, there were a couple, I had three others. Uh, the first tip came from Anthony Fraley, which once my computer stops lagging, I'll be able to look at that page. Come on. Here we go. It's the community page. I think it's on here. It's on here. Yeah. I apologize as the um here we go. Here we are. Anthony Fraley. It says DMs and NWM PW really need to get to know characters playing and offer tidbits of RP and adventure based around the more active, small gatherings of them. What DMs don't need to do is offer stupid minigames, nor should they be making long, drawn-out plots that span a few weeks to a month between sessions of said ongoing plots. The only thing I could say is, you know, if... You know, make sure you understand what the party is looking for as far as type and length of adventure, you know. Um, plot DMs should be the only ones that have a bigger server ordering plots and work with the other DMs to ensure their dealings don't cross-contaminate what they've got going on. Like where I mentioned, I had a NPC that was grumpy all the time. Then the next DM that used him played him as a happy character, and half my players were like, what? What's, you know, they didn't understand it. Um, DMs lurking around to just power abuse or act as police monitoring like an underpaid security guard aren't needed. Um, you know, me personally, I can agree with this. Um, what I'm planning on doing is finding a way to incorporate players into the town guard, um, and then adding a, a, you know, ranking system in there so that they can possibly gain ranks in town guard. 
Um, DMs lurk around. DMs lurking around to just power abuse, or I'm sorry, if there's problem children, handle it professionally, courteously, and pass it to the admin for serious offenses. And that's pretty much a great idea. You know, you don't want to be arguing with somebody if you're trying to run an event. Number one, if you're going to be a if you're going to DM, be a DM. Be active with your playing community, not just sit in your avatar or player character skins the majority of the time. I've, you know, I've had many people in different PWs bring that up. Uh, from Alexander Farmer, I've seen plenty of DMs pick favorites. During plots or other moments, I'd either be trying to get involved in or was some sort of side character my knowledge of skills would be brushed aside because I wasn't the person he was DMing personally to his friends, so I would be ignored heavily. And an example he gives, I remember once in a PW server, I was sergeant in one of the larger, higher-level cities, and my character was known for being a well-prepared and skillful individual. During one DM's plot, there was a murder in the city, so I went to the morgue with this doctor character, the main focus for some reason who was quite lower level than myself. During the examination, he wanted to examine the body, but I told him as an outsider it was my jurisdiction. He rolled a hill check, which made me chuckle as I rolled a far higher score. The DM ignored his role, or ignored my role, and shot to tell the doc guy all the information he would have found while I got nothing. It was incredibly frustrating and really ruins the mood, which I totally get that. And the last one from Stephen Weber, DMing is a huge responsibility many DMs don't realize. Number one, remember players are your customers. It doesn't mean the customer is always right. It does, however, mean that you're responsible to help entertain your client's customers with immersion, able adventures for them to play. If you don't, they will leave their server. If you do, they'll stay and bring others to play, creating a good community of growth. Don't be an asshole. If you do, the players will leave you and you will have no one to DM. Follow the rules, make adventures, correct players diplomatically on your world's canon, not Forgotten Realms canon, for example, for once the server goes online and immediately diverges from the Forgotten Realms canon. Remember that. Do not, under any circumstances, start grieving a player just because you don't like them. If you don't like a player, do not DM them unless you're the only DM on the server and have no choice. Speak up to your other DMs to pay a little more attention to that player since you will not DM them. Remember the player is your customer. Know how to use the DM tools inside and out. Chooser, creator, limbo, wands, any other DM tool on the server. The better you know them, the smoother your plots and adventures will play out. Work at your plot lines and always know what the other DMs on the server are creating. It sucks for a player to be doing one thing and all of a sudden go on someone else's adventure that conflicts with your plot line. And always remember your players are not there for you to have fun with just your ego trip. Players are there to enjoy some free time. You work for them. They do not work for you. And I completely agree with that. Um, and that's just... It, as far as the DM tips for Neverwinter, if you have anything to add, please contact me, and I'll be glad to add into a future episode. Uh, you know, different things. Any other? Maybe I missed something. But uh, for this week, I told everybody I was going to do two reviews, and I am. And the first review is Pathfinder Second Edition, which, as you can see, I. Got the book here. Um, so while I really like the length and artwork throughout the book, the pros of the book are the artwork, number of options with classes and feats, the skill system is easy to understand, equipment section is really good, lots of options, 
Rules are easy to understand. Inclusion of lots of backgrounds. You know, you can really tweak your character to a way you want if that's, you know, how you want to do it. The only con that I personally have is the ancestries or race. And here's why. I don't like how they're set up. Personally, I would have established base abilities for each race, then added racial feats at higher levels to enforce each race to fit player's growth. Um, what I mean by that is, if you look at 5th edition D&D, every elf, you know, has some of the basic same things, you know. And they, they kind of did this with, here, you start with, either dark or low light vision abilities and HP and languages. Otherwise normal racial traits normally exhibited by all members of a race and other RPGs are now racial feats. For example, stone clothing or weapons uh, familiarity. And the problem I have with this is you could have three dwarves in a party with only one having stone cunning. And it just seems to me humans gain the best advantages and players will be influenced to play humans more. Not just, you know, it, it ruined it for me because I can't really transfer any of my characters from 1st edition Pathfinder into 2nd edition. Uh, I play a lot of dwarves and elves, and by doing it the way they did, you're limiting how my characters were. So I, I'm kind of turned off by that big time. Um, I mean, otherwise, I get Pathfinder 3 out of 5 stars. And then my second review is the Starfinder Beginner Box, which I should have grabbed, which I have here. Um, the pros, it includes everything you need to start learning to play. It includes a bunch of bonus stuff. Battle mat, cardboard miniatures, solo adventure, an adventure for a group, dice, Pre-made characters, blank character sheets, GM and players book with enough to run the adventure and make basic characters. Um, the only con I could find with that was the minor differences between the character sheets and the ones in the core rules. The differences are not needed in the beginner set, so it's not, you know, really necessary. But, you know, if you want to use those character sheets for characters later on, you may have to add a couple minor details to it. Um... So I actually bought the starter box, or the beginner box, after already buying the core book and all a bunch of the other books for the game. So the beginner set contained a bunch of bonus stuff that I really enjoyed and plan on using. Now, for that, I have to grant a 4 out of 5, 4.5 stars out of 5 for that. And then, with that said... My update for my world, I've managed to get four areas uh, basically built. I haven't went in and put placeables or NPCs or transitions or doors. And I'm going to go do that this week. That's my goal for this week. I'm, I'm going to try and work like four areas at a time and slowly build up from there. Because um, I, I built my first, it starts at a... Uh, Level 2 of the temple, then you go up to level 1, then you're outside the temple, and then you go right into a market district. And the way I originally wanted to build my market district, I had to reconfigure it because it didn't fit uh, with how the temple area is. 
So I had to essentially come up with a way to do it differently. Um, but with that, it's also granted me a little bit of freedom to kind of space things out a little bit better the way I wanted it to. But with that said, uh, I want to thank everybody for watching or listening. And next week, I will be doing a review of Hackmaster 5th Edition, which is actually Hackmaster 2nd Edition, but we'll get into that next week. Um, I didn't have any Q&A questions this week, I don't believe. Let me just check the live stream real quick to see if anybody asked any. And if not, then we will... Oh! Somebody's saying they can't hear anything. Um, not sure. Let me see. I will test this to see if this is actually... going. Let's see if we can hear this. Just taking a moment. Let me close a couple other things. It's I know everything recorded. Needless to say. We're gonna go ahead and end the podcast.